Happy, happy, happy Monday. Hello, humans. Hello, humans. How are you? Ellie Krug here with Ellie 2.0 Radio. I had to say happy Monday because otherwise the alternative is not a happy Monday and we're always trying to be happy or at least relatively happy. And so, and even though it's Monday, I know you will get through it. I promise you will. We have a great show today about idealists and idealism and practical idealism. And our theme today is operating under the radar. Idealists who are often invisible and you don't even know they're at work, but their work is incredibly important to other humans, sometimes to the world. Uh, and so that's idealist operating under the radar. I would say Ellie Krug, who you're listening to right now, probably is in that category. Even though I have a radio show and even though I go across the country speaking and training about how to be good to each other, I think I'm probably under the radar quite a bit. Oh, yeah. So, um, so first, uh, for my new listeners now, regular listeners, you know what's coming, so get ready. We'll all say it in unison. New listeners, hi, my name is Ellie Krug. Um, even though I sound like a dude, I am really a woman. I'm actually a transgender woman. Actually, a woman who happens to be transgender. And I need to say that because you're new and you're wondering what's going on with this voice and why does she say her name is, why does this human say her name is, is Ellie? And so um, I'm one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. Boom, there you go. We're done with that. Okay, the idealist I want to focus on in our block, our first block this morning, is someone that probably most of you have never heard of. Her name is Frances Oldham Kelsey. Frances is... Um, uh, a woman, as I said, you probably haven't heard of, but let me tell you, her her work and her courage has had a huge impact on the health of hundreds of thousands of Americans, particularly women and their children. Frances um, was born in British Columbia in 1914. She was a pharmacology student at McGill University, where she obtained both her undergrad and her master's degree. She got her start in pharmacology with a stroke of luck. The University of Chicago in the early 30s was launching a new school of pharmacology, and she applied to do graduate work there to get her Ph.D. The school was run by a rather sexist researcher, a man who didn't hold women in the highest of regard. But the man uh, did not understand that when he received a letter uh, coming from Francis, spelled F-R-A-N-C-E-S, um, didn't understand that that was a female name and actually believed it was the other Francis for a man, F-R-A-N-C-I-S. He just thought it was kind of a different spelling. So he did not expect a woman to be showing up at his doorstep, doorstep um, to begin as his graduate student. And too bad by then it was too late and she was in the door. So while at the University of Chicago in the mid-1930s, Francis got involved, involved in what I call uh, pharmaco pharmacological forensics, very good, Ellie, um, for a drug that can, there was a drug out on the market that was um, being marketed as a cough medicine, cough remedy, which ended up containing diethylysine glycol, which is the stuff that you make antifreeze out of okay that was a solvent to make the to make the drug go down easier um, particularly for children and as it turned out it killed a, that drug killed 107 people and uh, the University of Chicago and, and Francis got involved in trying to figure out what why that drug was killing people and as a result of Francis's work and work of her colleagues, Congress in 1938 passed the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act of 1938. That was the creation of the FDA. So she had a direct role in getting the FDA off the ground. She was one of the people that showed why it was necessary to have an FDA. Francis eventually got her PhD from the University of Chicago, um, and then later her, her MD as well. And during World War II, she worked on drugs to combat uh, malaria in, in order to protect our troops that were overseas. During that work about malaria, she learned an interesting thing about how certain test drugs had different effects on non-pregnant rats versus pregnant rats and their fetuses. 
she understood that sometimes drugs go through the membrane between um, mother and child, a placenta membrane, and end up having different effects on the fetus. That was with rats, but hold, hold, hold on here. Fast forward to 1960. Francis was hired by the FDA. By that time, she, um, as I said, also had landed a medical degree, and as she was part of a very small department that was reviewing new drug applications that companies wanted to sell in the United States. The rule then for the FDA was that um, a drug application for a new drug had six, that the FDA had 60 days within which to reject that application. If the FDA did not re reject the application or if, didn't even act on the application for this new drug um, within 60 days, if it just got lazy or misplaced it or whatever, automatically that drug would be allowed to be on the market in the United States. Okay? So bear that in mind. Older listeners will remember that in the late 1950s and up to uh, mid-1960, in Europe, there was a drug called thalidomide, thalidomide, which was being prescribed for both insomnia and with pregnant women being prescribed for morning sickness. And so what started to happen was that a large number of pregnant women taking thalidomide began experiencing miscarriages or began to have children born with birth defects, no limbs or shorter limbs. The drug maker of thalidomide, Richardson Merrill, sidestepped that issue about birth defects because it was not, it was just sort of starting to get on the radar. Now remember, this is before the internet. This is before instantaneous information. This is when, you know, you had to rely on news sources to provide information or on professional sources. So Merrill, the FD, the drug maker of thalidomide, started, put an application into the U.S. to sell the drug, market the drug in the U.S., the FDA, under that 60-day rule, had to either approve or disapprove the application, or if it didn't even act on the application, the, the application would be allowed and the drug could be sold in the U.S. Francis thought that there was a problem with thalidomide, and she wrote to Merrill, the drug maker, and said she believed, she believed that the drug maker knew that the drug had some neurological toxicity um, effects and that it crossed the placenta barrier to fetuses and that Merrill wasn't telling the FDA about that. Now she was getting, so please remember, 1960, a woman in quote-unquote a man's job. Um, not many women like uh, Frances Oldham Kelsey in the government at that time and she was getting pressure to approve this drug. Okay? A lot of pressure. But she resisted. She had guts. And she said no. And, because, and as she was resisting, by November of 1961, doctors in Germany and Australia, so the U.S. did not approve it, did not approve the sale of thalidomide in the United States. The FDA did not do that because of Francis and her team. And by 61, doctors in Germany and Australia were drawing the conclusion that, th that even one pill, even one dosage of thalidomide could result in horrible birth defects or miscarriages for children. It's estimated that before thalidomide was taken off the market worldwide, 10,000 children were born with birth defects. In 1963, President Kennedy awarded Francis the President's Award for Distinguished Federal Service, and she was only the second woman to ever get that award. Francis stayed with the FDA until 2005. She retired at age 90. Now, you just heard that right. Francis retired from federal government service at age 90. Um, for, she had 45 years of government service by the time that she did retire. In 2014, she moved back to Canada from where she was from, and she had family. Um, and when she moved back to Canada, she was named to the Order of Canada, which is the highest, or, highest award that a Canadian citizen can get. And she was awarded that for her refusal to bend to drug companies on their push for a, a thalidomide being licensed both in Canada and in the U.S. And then Francis went on to die 
at age 101. Okay, she had a good long life. But by coincidence, it was 24 hours after she had been presented with the official award for the Order of Canada. So on her deathbed, she gets this award, she's seeing it, and she can end her life. She can go away. She can pass from this world knowing that she made a huge difference. <laughs> if you're an idealist, I don't think that gets any better than that. To know that you had an impact in this world that people benefited from your courage, from your resiliency, from your willingness to take a stand and to say no to something. That's what us idealists do. And Francis, we are all better because you existed on this earth. So thank you for that, Francis. Thank you for very much of that, if you are listening from somewhere. So listeners, that's, that's what it is about being idealist. People are doing incredible things that no one ever hears of, but impact the lives of so many people just because they're doing it. Idealists. When we come back from our break, we're going to talk to a real live, current idealist, my friend Paul Floyd, about his work in, in Ukraine and here in the United States. It's quite an incredible story. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio, where we talk about practical idealism. Visit my website at elliekrug.com if you would like to check me out. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. I love hearing from listeners. We'll be back in a minute. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Hello, I'm Dave Hutch, DFL Endorsed Candidate for Hennepin County Sheriff. I've been a police officer for 15 years, and I'm running for sheriff because I believe our elected sheriff should have a vision of public safety that includes everyone, no matter where they're from or what they look like. I believe in transparency, responsiveness, and open communication. As sheriff, I will rethink how the sheriff's office interacts with ICE. I'll require crisis intervention and de-escalation training for all Hennepin County deputies. I'll make it a priority to protect everyone of Hennepin County, including our immigrant communities and our native community. I will provide mentally ill individuals with treatment and services needed to stay out of jail. I will never send Hennepin County deputies to break up protests at places like Standing Rock. And I will never stop working to improve the relationships between the police and the communities we serve. Let's start working together for a safe and healthy Hennepin County. I'm Dave Hutch, and I'm asking for your vote for Hennepin County Sheriff. Paid and prepared by Hutch for Sheriff Volunteer Committee. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hello, humans. It's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many know that I have a diversity and inclusion company, Human Inspiration Works LLC. I want to share about a speaking event I'll be hosting on Monday, November 5th, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Open Book in Minneapolis. I'll be giving my gray area thinking talk on how to be welcoming to humans. I'd love for you to join me. Go to elliekrug.com and look for the Human is Human public events page for more. Please come and please tell others. See you then. And we are 
back on LA 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you, Francis Oldham Kelsey, a name that I, I did not know about before I started researching uh, this week's show. But you know what? It's the people, the idealists that we don't hear about that very often make all the difference in the world. And that brings me to the big interview. I have Paul Floyd here. He's a Minneapolis attorney with the Wallen, Friedman, and Floyd law firm. Paul, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So, Paul, when I think about idealists operating under the radar, which is the theme for our show this week, you you absolutely came to mind, and um, and I've wanted to have you on the show actually for some time, so I'm really thrilled that, you, that you're here. Well, thank you. You're welcome. So, listeners... Um, Paul is an attorney in Minneapolis who does uh, corporate law. In fact, uh, he helped organize my company, Human Inspiration Works. But he's also my friend, and I want to start out by telling a very, very quick story about how I first met Paul. So, um, back in 2011, I interviewed to be the executive director for a brand new nonprofit named Call for Justice. I walked into an interview room uh, where I was seated at the end of a long table with about a dozen other people in the room, all of those people, they were mainly all lawyers, um, and they were all white people, and I was being hired to head a legal nonprofit that was going to serve people of color and people from marginalized communities. And, um, you know, um, I'm one of those people, you just asked me a question, I'm going to tell you what I think. And during the course of the interview, I got asked a question about what, you know, what I thought the nonprofit should focus on. And one of the things I just said was, well, if we're working with people of color and, non and marginalized communities, I think we should have a board that should have some of those people on it. And without hesitation, Paul Floyd, who was, I can absolutely remember, he was sitting, you were sitting to my left, Paul, when I said that. And without any hesitation, you spoke up and you said, well, I'd be willing to give up my seat for that. Um, to carry out that mandate. And when you said that to me, you so endeared yourself to me because I knew I had an ally on that board. So yes, it was from the heart. I mean, it's one of those things where in the moment you realize you need to speak truth and also authentic authentically. So it just came out because that's what I felt was important, but also that's what I believe. So uh, it's easy when it's real. It's If you yep. fake it, it's very noticeable. Well, and so, Paul, so... Um, I, you are an idealist, although I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself that way, but I certainly think of you that way. And you are doing, you are under the radar. So among the things that I know that you're doing, and I know that there are other things you're doing that I don't know, I don't even know, is that you've been very, very active in going to the Ukraine. Yes. And working with um, organizations there that are fighting HIV and AIDS. Do yes. I have that right? That's true. And also working with disabled children in Ukraine marginalized people, people who are LGBT, people who are um, stricken with illnesses or uh, MS, some type of a disability, are marginalized. And really, there's no place in society for that person. Um, it's kind of a macho uh, Eastern European view, which is uh, there's no place for them. So okay. we do a camp. And we also have a house of hope. Hope is a word that I use a lot because I try to find hope in today's world. And I think there are many instances of hope. So we're working with with people in Ukraine to uh, basically bring hope in places that are hopeless. So we've putting together a camp in Zolotonosha. We're also doing a house for disabled children, HIV, in uh, Potava. So our goal is to try to uh, touch the lives of people who are really under the radar, much like you're talking about. And when you see the change in their lives and you see the hope, because there isn't much, and you reach out to them, it makes a difference. Well, and, and Paul, is it a, through a church organization that's taking you to the it's, Ukraine? It's not. It's a non-denominational. It is Christian. Today in the, today's world, I'm always careful with that. It started out as a Christian organization that sent doctors, dentists, lawyers, teachers, uh, uh, agricultural people to team up with another person in the other country, Ukraine, and you'd stay at their home, and then they would come and stay at your home. So it was kind of this this give and take that goes back and forth. We've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, it is a uh, Christian organization, 501c3, but the reality is it's not one denomination, and many people come to be a part of that. It changes lives in Ukraine, and it changes lives here. I bet it does. Well, and, 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 and so... 
um, in a, when we come back from our break, because we'll have a longer segment, I'm going to want to talk about how you got to be who you are. But I do know this. You're married to Donna. Yes. Um, the two of you made a decision not to have children, and, and um, you know, I re absolutely respect that. But, but when I started to get to know you, <clears throat> excuse me, what I loved about you was you said, in lieu of that, we were going to tithe, we were going to give, give the money that we would be using to raise a child, or more than one, to causes that we believe in. Yes. I, do I have that right? That's right. And we really enjoy being able to use the resources that we've been given, partly in large part because our families didn't grow up in that environment. We didn't grow up with having money in a family in either of our sides. So now that we have resources, we give a good portion of what we have away intentionally, but looking for instances where we can help change lives and bring hope. Okay, but the audience needs to also understand you're not... First of all, you're a very busy lawyer. You're extremely well regarded in the community. Um, but in addition to going to the Ukraine, you volunteer your time and effort here in the U.S. greatly. So I know this per firsthand because, of course, you were on my board for when I was uh, executive director of Call for Justice. But you've been the president of the Hennepin County Bar Association. You've held other offices in the Hennepin Hennepin County Bar Association now or you're you're involved with the Minnesota State Bar yes. Association. Yes. You're on your way. Are you on your way to be the president of the Minnesota State Bar Association? I, I doubt, but but I'm actively involved. Okay, yes. all right. You know, and and you're you're doing what what are what else are you doing, Paul, that we haven't talked about because it's a heck of a lot. <laughs> now, one of the things I've enjoyed in the past is working with families that want to adopt mixed children. So they're usually white families that adopt um, black children. So bi biracial. Yes, biracial. Okay. It's it's exciting because there's a place for that. And I believe in my own life, the more people have relationships with another person, the, it it takes down barriers, it, re it yep. eliminates their kind of bias or prejudice, and all of a sudden, they're people, human to human, people to people, who are finally talking, and they changes your view about things. So working on these various nonprofits I'm on, I get to see people's lives change because they're, they're personally now vested in something that before they were narrow, and now they're able to say, well, of course that person's like me, instead of different. So when I... You know, I have my signature training, Gray Area Thinking. Um, one of the themes out of that training that I teach is the power of human familiarity. So, for example, the listeners on the show right now, um, they, you know, it's Ellie Krug, I sound like a man, a dude, but they've become... Hopefully, I'm speaking for you listeners, you've become used to the fact that this is, oh, hey, that's Ellie, and it doesn't hopefully diminish what my message is. You've just become familiar with me, and I agree with you. The pathway, I believe, through all the crap that our country is experiencing is through relationship building, that's, without any question. And that's true across many different um, uh, groups and many different peoples, yeah. Okay. Well, Paul, when we come back, I, I want to get into how you became the idealist that you are, because it is quite a story. Listeners, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, interviewing attorney Paul Floyd from Minneapolis, um, one of our under-the-radar idealists, many of them here in our area. You're, um, if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me, because I love hearing from you, at elliejkrug at gmail.com. And um, when we come back, we'll talk more with Floyd, uh, Paul Floyd, excuse me, Paul. And uh, thank you. Bye. <laughs> Hello, humans. It's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many know that I have a diversity and inclusion company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I want to share about a speaking event I'll be hosting on Monday, November 5th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis. I'll be giving my gray area thinking talk on how to be welcoming to others. I'd love for you to join me. Go to elliekrug.com and look at the Human is Human public events page for more. Please come and please tell others. See you then. I'm John Peterson of Ferndale Market, and I'm the third generation to grow turkeys on our family farm in Cannon Falls. We've grown them the same way since 1939, free range and without antibiotics. We're proud of the way our turkey tastes naturally, so we don't add a thing. Just 100% pure turkey. Reserve your free range Thanksgiving turkey today for pickup at our store right on the farm in scenic Cannon Falls or at one of our Metro retail partners. Visit us at FerndaleMarket.com for more information or to reserve your turkey today. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. 
Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. AM 950 listeners, we have a home cleaning company with an offer just for you. They're Blue Sky Services. Blue Sky Services will wash your windows, siding, gutters, clean those black streaks off your roof, and much more. Window washing starts at $100. Siding cleaning starts at $199. Call Blue Sky Services at 651 Four seven four four eight four to ask for the AM nine fifty special. If you hear this, you have an exclusive house cleaning offer for AM nine fifty listeners. Call Blue Sky Services at six five one four four seven four four eight four. That's six five one four four seven four four eight four. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over thirty years. Celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today will be mostly cloudy with a high near 54 and a low around 35. Monday, partly sunny with a high near 59 and a low around 43. And Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high near 53 and a low around 35. Big Bear Lodge invites you to enjoy the Boundary Waters without packing a tent. The Lodge has a lakeside sauna, offers breakfast, homemade artisan pizzas, bison burgers, plus delicious beer and wine. Come find your smile at Big Bear Lodge. Check them out at BigBearLodgeMN.com. Back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, your hostess with the mostest. I've been speaking with Paul Floyd. I'm an attorney in Minneapolis. Paul is um, certainly idealistic. And Paul, I just, before we took our break, I said that we'd come back and talk about how you got to be you because you are doing many incredible things. Um, for one human. And uh, I also want to throw Donna in there, your wife, because I know that it's a team for the two of you. So, um, but what I, one of the real reasons I wanted you on the show was to talk about how you got to be you. Because you did not start out with this kind of a background. Um, and, and in fact, um, and I'll let you speak in a second here, you did not start out with a whole lot. So, grew up in Ohio, is that right? Whereabouts? Yes. Uh, Lyme, Ohio. I was born in South Carolina. My mom and dad divorced when I was four. I never saw my father. Grew up with my mother. I have an older brother and a twin sister. Uh, we, my mother didn't uh, have uh, much income. We were at the poverty level. She worked. Uh, You're growing, let me interrupt you. You're growing up in the 70s? Uh, this was the 70s. Okay. And my mother made about $3,000 a year. Um, we never went on AFDC. That was important for her aid for dependent children because she was thought that we were we're poor uh, as people. We didn't have a car, couldn't own a home. Uh, we always moved from house to house in a couple years. Um, but my mother was very strong in trying to raise us as children to care about education and to care about our, our what we do in life. It, it should yeah. matter. We were not religious. We didn't grow up in a family where there was a lot of religion or uh, that was a major part of our lives. Although my mother prayed, it never really was much of part of our lives. When I was 17, I went to a youth group at a church that was nearby, an American Baptist liberal church, and they had a retreat at Ohio State, and I thought I could go and meet with the girls, and this will be fun. So, <laughs> okay. so I went to Columbus, and I heard a speaker, Tony Campolo. Dr. Campolo was a professor at 
University of Philadelphia, uh, or excuse me, Pennsylvania, also a teacher at uh, Eastern College, and he was a sociologist, PhD. He had a mission in uh, Dominican Republic, and he would take students, graduate students, down to the Dominican Republic and work with people in education, in the social services, doing sociology studies and working with the people, learning uh, the language. And one of the stories he told was on the way back, a, a, a woman was um, trying to have him and the group that he was with take her baby back to the States. And she handed the baby as he was getting in the, the small plane they were leaving, and he brought the baby into the airplane, and they flew off, and he realized that the child was had, had, had died. And it just so overpowered him that here's a mother who was so distraught with her situation. And he made that, he told that story. And I remember he said, what are you listening to this? What do you think about? For 50 cents, you buy a hot dog. And for 50 cents, you can change the life of a family. And I remember standing there thinking or being there thinking, wow, if I could make an impact in my life, that would make a difference. And he said to be a Christian is not to have a name. It's to do action. It's to Mm. do social justice. It's to make a difference in the world. What a great message. And I thought, that's exactly correct. That's who Christ is. And so for me, um, I then was working at Sears selling paint. Tony Campolo, I wrote him a letter and I said, wow, your message really was impactful. I uh, really appreciated what you had to say. And he wrote me back, strangely enough. Hold on a second, but you were, you're, you're getting out of high school. Yep. You're working at Sears. I was 17 at the time. Yep. And, and just graduated. And your life trajectory at that point, because no one in your family had ever gone to college. Right. And your family had no money. No lawyers, no professionals. So, we didn't have income. No, couldn't afford college. Didn't take a college pre-class. So, uh, so your projectory, life projectory would have been Sears. Selling you know, tools and yep. paint, which I was doing for the yep. next 30 years until Sears went out of business. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so I get uh, I get. So you le- write to Dr. Campolo. And yep. he writes back. Okay. He says, if you go to college, and I'm giving you some names of some schools you might consider, I'll pay for part of your tuition. And I remember thinking, wow, here's a person who I don't even know who's willing to pay part of my tuition. Maybe I had to go to college. So I chose Judson, which was an American Baptist school in Chicago. And Tony Campolo did. He paid $500, which is about a fifth or sixth of my entire tuition. And he did that for three years. And he came to the school and spoke one year because I was the chaplain of the school and I invited him and he came. And I asked him specifically, why? Do you give money to someone like me? And he said, I do a lot of speaking. I get honorariums, and I give the honorariums away for good things. And I saw you as a person who I thought I could invest in. Mm. I said, well, how can I pay you back? And he said, you really can't. You can pay it back by someone else. When you see a need, you should do that. So recently when I was in the Ukraine, I ran across a student who was in high school or their equivalents and was wanting to go to college, no money. And I felt this call, this this desire to say, listen, I can help. Dr. Campolo's words were in your head. Oh, yeah. And I said, I can do what he did. And for me, I can support him. Now, one of the things that I thought was important was he didn't pay my entire way. And I could pay the entire Dr. way. Dr. Campolo did not pay your entire way, right? No, he okay. wanted me to do work study. And yep. I got a Pell Grant, so the federal government helped. Yep. And I got work study, so I, I did work myself. And if you got straight A's in the school, you got some tuition break. So that was very helpful. Forced me to do good, do, do well in my classes. But um, I say the same thing to the student in Ukraine. If you go to to college uh, in Lithuania, I will pay part of your way, but you'll need to do work study. You'll need to, because I think investing is important in making uh, your life something of value. So um, I went on and went to law school and, and became involved in many different things, in large part, I think, because someone out in the community saw a young kid who had no income, had no family, no car, no, no house, um, didn't really have much of a future, but he saw in another human being potential. And that encouraged me to say, wow, I think I can be more mm-hmm. than I am and I can be better. And to me, that's the hope that's in our society. We need to find other people who we can support on that individual basis because lives can be changed. It's, it happened to me, yep. and it can happen to others. And I want to see it happen in other people's lives. So you've got a so there's um, a young man in Ukraine that you're going to help support financially. That's right. For him to go to college. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And that's 
And that really is about paying it forward from what Dr. Campello did for you. Right, exactly right. And of course, you've been paying it forward in a, a lot of other ways, Paul. So, the, so you know, I, this show, um, LE 2.0 Radio, which is about idealism, I say about practical idealism, um, has been on the air now for almost a year. We've done um, a lot of big interviews like we're doing right now. And I'm I'm asking always the question, how did you get here? How did you get to be idealistic? And I've got to tell you, the one constant recurring theme is the presence of another human who acted and believed in the human who is now the idealist. You know, um, um, we've heard, you know, about how mothers or parents exhibited you know, volunteerism for their child, and, and they grew up understanding that you needed to, to give back to the community. We've heard of other people where literally, just through a fate of, of luck and stroke of luck, like in your case, somebody came in. And, and it is, I think that we have, we have, as a society, we continue to forget how we are all so interrelated. And if we're interrelated in a positive way, we all benefit from it. If we're interrelated in a very negative way, no one benefits from it. We all get dragged down. And one of the things that I like about my journey has been one of humility. I and mean, I'm not saying that in a proudful way. What I'm saying is I am so thankful and appreciative of what other people did. Then I turn around and say, how can I help someone else? Yep. It is fundamental in the Christian faith that we forgive others because we've been forgiven. We help others because others have helped us. It's fundamental. In some ways, it's been set aside in our culture today for other things. Right. But, but deep down, it is this... I'm going to do well to someone else because someone has shown me well. And that's that to me is what it means to be a, a follower of Christ. That's also part of the social contract. Yes. Social compact about how we as a society do need to look out for those who are least fortunate through whatever circumstance. I mean, you, it wasn't your fault that your mom was divorced and it wasn't your fault that you didn't have money. It wasn't your fault at all, okay? I think that part of the challenge that we have today for us idealists is that there are a lot of people around that think it's your fault. Right. You know, they just, you know, well, that's just, you know, and and you're not going to amount to anything because you're not trying, you know, without understanding all the all the systemic barriers that exist for people based on color of skin or LGBTQ or or religion, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, it it it's just uh, amazing. So Paul, what for those who are listening right now, okay, because I have this theory that almost everybody listening to this show is an idealist. They have the potential to be an idealist. What would you say to them? What would you say to somebody who's on the fence? How do they, how, how can they do something different for another human? I think in the moment as you live your lives, you look for opportunities mm -hmm. to be present and say, what can I do to help another person? And that can be saying something gracious. When you get your foot stepped on on the bus, instead of being grumpy, you respond because you know everyone has a bad day. You give the other person the benefit of the doubt. You, you come into the situation knowing that, um, as we would say as Christians, but for the grace of God, there go I, meaning I could very well be in their shoes, and I need to help them not be in their shoes much longer. So it's this kind of... Uh, personal heartfelt attitude that says we're in this together and what can I do to make life a little bit easier for all of us it's part of who we are and it's part of what it means to me to be in society with other people but also it's part of who I am because people have shown me that kind of gracious attitude and actually more than an attitude actual monetary and real action. It isn't just words. You have to sometimes actually do something. And that's where the heart makes the difference. It's when you give money or it's when you stop on the way to work or it's when you say something or do something. It's when you speak up when you see an injustice. Why? Because that makes a difference in people's lives and it matters. Well said. It really, you know, I'm I'm not Christian, I'm Buddhist, but I would say the same thing for Buddhists and for Muslims and for everyone else. I mean, we need to remember that. Yeah. Well, um, Paul, I just wish you the best of luck as you go forward in doing your work. I want to tell you from human to human, thank you. And on a very personal note, 
I want to thank you because you believed in me when I was running that nonprofit. And you may remember, we had some people on my board, on our board, that did not believe in me. And you were always there to speak up for me, and that meant a great deal to me. Ellie, you helped me become more appreciative and understanding of humans because of who you are and coming to know you helped me deeper to understand what it means to know people who are different from you but who are in many respects just like you <laughs> so i like that it helped me open my eyes and my heart and so thank you it's a good relationship oh, i look forward to years future oh thank you paul i think that is a great way to end the interview listeners we've been speaking with paul floyd um, an attorney in Minneapolis, but more than that, a wonderful human idealist who's going out and doing the work that Dr. King and Robert F. Kennedy and so many others would want us to do. So when we come back from our break, I will go into my next segment, which dovetails exactly to what Paul was saying. I'll tell you a story. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Don't wait. Get guaranteed Black Friday appliance savings this Saturday through Monday from Warner Stellion. Avoid the hassles, the early morning crowds, and all that waiting. And it'll feel like you saved even more. Get our guaranteed lowest price on select Bosch and KitchenAid dishwashers. Then save even more with free installation from our trusted specialists. Go online for a preview of this three-day sale. Don't wait. Get Black Friday appliance savings Saturday through Monday at Warner Stallion. Hello, humans. It's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many know that I have a diversity and inclusion company, Human Inspiration Works LLC. I want to share about a speaking event I'll be hosting on Monday, November 5th, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Open Book in Minneapolis. I'll be giving my gray area thinking talk on how to be welcoming to humans. I'd love for you to join me. Go to elliekrug.com and look for the Human is Human public events page for more. Please come and please tell others. See you then. Fall in Minnesota is a time for comfort. Comfort foods, comfy sweaters. You can keep your home comfortable, too, with a new high-efficiency furnace from Standard Heating. If you get one in October, you can also enjoy at least $1,300 in savings. That'd buy a lot of pumpkin spice lattes. Learn more about saving $1,300 on your new furnace at standardheatingdeals.com. Don't wait. This sale ends October 31st. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Comfort you deserve. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. And we are back on AM 950 with LD 2.0 Radio. Paul Floyd. Oh, my goodness, Paul. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in the world. And just, you go. Thank you. And it's quite a story about coming from nothing, being able to be lifted up by the help of someone, and then going on and paying it forward. So with this segment of the show, and it's kind of weird how it dove dovetails into what Paul was talking about, there's a, a quick story I want to tell you about something that happened to me yesterday. Um, you know, with my, my talk about gray area thinking, and I'll come back to that at the end of the show because we 
have a public event coming up, but um, I talk about the need to pay attention to what's going on with other humans um, and how all of us are so incredibly busy. So yesterday I was at Caribou getting my almost daily cup of hot chocolate and that caribou was embedded in a uh, Lund's grocery store. Um, and I had just come back from, I was, I was there picking up some dry cleaning. I had on my um, training uniform, which so to speak, which is a blue dress and a black blazer. And there was a young woman uh, who was the barista. I'd, I'd guess about maybe 23, 22 years old, you know, um, standard barista, just kind of really um, just friendly and nice and she ended up saying something about my dress she said oh I really like that your dress and I went on to say well thank you and and I said I got it at the loft and and it was really on sale and, you know it was not a whole lot it was $40 and the woman looked at me and she said wow $40 is a lot of money she said that would be uh, that would be a, a a couple of packages of diapers for my baby and I knew nothing to say in response to that. Um, and I said, oh, okay, all right. And, and, and you know what? Uh, at that very moment, I realized all the privilege, even though I'm a transgender woman, all the privilege that I had in this world compared to this woman. And so, um, and, and I'm like, Ellie, you, you know, you got to pay attention to what just happened. So I get my hot chocolate and I decided that I would do something. And please, I'm not telling you the story to make Ellie Krug look good because actually I don't think I look all that great. And so I went into the Lund's part of the store and I went and I got a, I, I purchased a gift card, you know, um, for X amount of dollars. And then on the gift card envelope, I wrote a note that said, you know, we're all trying, we're all struggling to survive the human condition. I care about you, Ellie. I didn't put my last name and I put a heart. And then I went back to the caribou and um, I gave that to the woman. And I just said, here, I want you to have that. And I said, you know, um, I, I struggled when my kids were younger too. And I just want you to have this. And I walked out of the store with my hot chocolate, my laundry, and got in my car. And as soon as I did that, I felt like crap because I think uh, it should have been X++ that I put on that gift card rather than just simply X. And I thought, you know, yeah, X was fine, but really, if you're really going to make an impact, Ellie, it's got to be more than that. Now, I know that what was bouncing also in my head is that I did not want to embarrass this person. And I, you know, so there was some of that going on. But I, you know, you've heard me on the show talk before about thinking big, the need to think big, think bigger than what we do think. And I just, I fell down on the job and I didn't do it. Um, yes, I did a good deed, but I didn't do as good a deed as I think I could have done. Um, and so, and, and why do I share that story with you? First of all, to let you know I'm human. And secondly, I do believe that when we are a, a, his, a, story, a society of storytellers and story listeners, um, that we learn from each other. I don't know about you, but I learned from Paul Floyd, who is here, um, you know, talking about his life. I, I, for the most part, a story that I had heard before, that I knew before. But again, I learned from him just as I was sitting here. You know, and, and, and we just need to so much more pay attention to what's going on in the world. And I know that word privilege gets kicked around a whole lot, and there are people probably sick of hearing, hearing that phrase and all of that. But the reality is that you cannot tell anything about anyone by how they appear. You just absolutely cannot do that. And because of that, I think that we need to always be aware that the assumptions that we make or the laziness that we have because we're not willing to be curious about another human and ask questions in a, in a respectful way, I, we, we end up with false assumptions and we end up just being in our own head, not even thinking about other people. 
Now, you're getting this from Ellie Krug. I'm going around the world, you know, the country, talking about the need to be good to other people. So I'm, I'm bearing my soul to you in that regard. And yes, we are all struggling to survive the human condition. I do not have the market con uh, um, cornered on surviving the human condition. But I am a dot connector. So to my credit, I, I do have that. I have the ability to come and, and talk to people and hopefully energize. Forget it. We don't need to talk anymore about me. Um, please listen to my story. Remember that barista or the person taking your order or the, or the human behind the McDonald's uh, counter, please remember that just like you, they're trying to make their way through the world as well. They want the same things that you want, just, just like you do. They do. Some of them may not be able to, you know, get there to articulate it for whatever reason or due to time, due to whatever barriers they've encountered. But we all want the same things. And sometimes an act of generosity, like Paul Floyd reminded me, I barely reminded here, but a small act of generosity sometimes can make all the difference for another human. Okay, now... Next week is my very first public event for Gray Area Thinking. I'm going to be doing it at Open Book, the Loft Literary Center on Washington Avenue, on Monday the 5th from 6.30 to 8.30. I would love for you to come because there I am talking about how to be good to other humans, how to be welcoming to people who are different from, from us. I frankly believe America needs this training. I would love to have you come. I would love to have you learn what it is that I'm doing, maybe get energized by that work, and perhaps pay it forward in one way or another, just as Paul Floyd is doing. If you want to know more, Google Eventbrite tickets, Eventbrite Gray Area Thinking, and um, it will come up. Or go to my website at elliekrug.com and look at the menu for the Human is Human public trainings, and you'll find the link to go and register and purchase a ticket. I'd love for you to come. Bring someone. Bring someone you love. Bring someone who you think could be, could be ignited by the training. Okay, well... Um, that's another show. I hope you've enjoyed it. Oh, by the way, Joe, you were Joe from uh, the county. You bought my book uh, the other uh, the other day, um, and you are a regular listener. I just want to do a shout out and say thank you for doing that. Okay. Um, I also need to thank our sponsors, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and Brending Electrolysis. Contact Bev. Let her know that Ellie sent you. Bev does such great work. Um, we need some sponsors, so if you know of anyone that might want to sponsor an idealist trying to make a difference in the world, please let me know. Brett Johnson, my producer, best in the world, I love you. And you, my listeners, thank you for tuning in, thanks for sharing about the show, and thanks for being loyal. I'll talk with you next week. Go well, go and be well. Bye.